And good morning and welcome to Let's Talk. I'm Tracy Morgan. Always nice to have you with us, of course. This is our time of day that we get to bring in fantastic professionals. And today is our day with the Butler Health System. And we're going to be talking about heart health. And actually, in particular, two different tests one being diagnostic, one being preventative for heart health. We have Dr. Rika Pinto with us, and, and she's been with us before, so it's nice to have you back on the program, Dr. Pinto. Uh, we are going to get into the, the details of what we're going to talk about in a second, but before we do, let me give you folks listening the different ways that you can listen to us, because of course you do have the opportunity to listen to us online. Now it's WISR680.com. You're going to pick the button that says listen live unless you want to wait until this is complete. And on our website, you would listen to the podcast then. You would pick programs, let's talk, and go from there. You can listen to us on your Alexa-powered device as well. You just say Alexa, play WISR680, and that should be enough for us. And then, of course, you can download that app that would go on your mobile devices. We appreciate you listening on the radio as well, 680 AM and 107.5 FM. So, Dr. Pinto, welcome back to the program. Nice to have you back. Thank you very much. Yeah, so we're talking heart health, of course, because tis the month, and uh, we always try to take the, the month to kind of recognize this. But before we get into these two tests, talk about where we are with what you see in the way of heart health as a society, are we doing well? Are we doing poorly? Or does it depend on the individual? So um, one of the things that I have learned in healthcare over the years is that, you know, money doesn't correlate to the best health. And uh, the better way to put it is we can put, use all this uh, investment and in money on treating people, but you know, there are better ways to improve health than treatment. You know, what's important is to get to be healthy first, and that is true health. Uh, treatment is always an option, but what America doesn't do well is really prevent problems. And I think what we really need to focus on this, uh, you know, show right now is to say, let's, you know, take care of our health before it gets worse. And uh, to tell you the truth, America doesn't do well with heart health and health in general. We have a lot of uh, you know, shortcomings when it comes to rolling out programs in the society. Uh, so uh, yes, so one, the most common cause of uh, you know, death in, uh, you know, in Americans is heart disease. Uh, I would say one person dies every 36 seconds, I've said that before, mm -hmm. uh, from cardiovascular disease. Uh, today, uh, not today, but February is truly um, go red for women, uh, go girls. And uh, <laughs> I wore my red in yeah, honor of, yeah, right? Yeah. And, uh, t you know, we want to talk a little more about it because women truly suffer from heart disease. And what's very interesting is women in younger ages do okay, but as we get older, we, are, we sometimes have more heart disease than men, and we don't present like men, we are special. Uh, you know, our symptoms are special. Right, and, right. Yeah. Uh, so we want to talk about that a little more as well. Yeah, so talk about, if you don't mind, how we do age differently, and why does it present differently? Is it because we slow down as women? Is it I, just because our bodies are made differently? I think, you know, so this is, I'm going to talk about it on a personal basis, you know. I have seen women 
younger in their 40s and 50s, for, so I should use, uh, you know, in their 30s, 40s who do well, if they are maintaining a good lifestyle, you can't be, you shouldn't be diabetic, hypertensive, and, uh, you know, and family histories. But as we reach menopause and after, we notice that, you know, atherosclerosis gets much worse. So people who are, you know, in their 50s and 60s and 70s, sometimes I see women who have more disease than men. So we are not excluded. We're, you know, right there. Yeah. So talk about, is it, I don't want to say, is it just menopause? But of course, that's going to be a function of females that is not going to be a function in males. Yes. Are there other functions in females that are just primarily, strictly because our bodies are made that way? I I mean, this is what we see in general. So I would say, you know, really health starts, you know, since birth. And we have to, everything we do in our younger years help us as we get older. And it's just that the incidence is we see is much older and, you know, we see it in older women. Right. So talk about how we present differently than men to you as a doctor with heart disease. Yeah. So, you know, if someone, uh, you know, comes in, uh, if a man comes in with uh, pain, so number one, I want to start off by backing off, you know, a little. Heart disease can present in different ways. And that's why we have so many ER visits for chest pain, and rightly so, you know. And how, and, you know, as doctors, we always, someone with chest pain, to me, is always taken seriously, you know. Mm-hmm. So that's why, because it's, it can present in many different ways. So uh, say, say the common symptoms of truly pain uh, in general, chest pain or a heart attack, and you know, heart-related or blockage-related pain can be, you know, pain in the middle of your chest, pain across your chest, pain on the left side of your chest, pain going down your arms, pain into the jaws, pain into the back. Women sometimes can present with like just not with just being very nauseous, sweating, uh, you know, just a, a upper abdominal pain. Even men can do it, but it's very different. Like m- women can present with things that are not as commonly seen in men. And so women tend to may ignore it. And so that's why we need to think that, you know, everything that comes from the upper chest, you know, is uh, is not heart, but at the same time can be heart. But things from, you know, just below your chest, like the upper belly, the arms, the elbows, uh, the back can be heart disease. When a patient comes to you and they're describing all of these symptoms, do you always check the heart just to make sure that it's not the issue? We do. We try and focus on the heart, yes, because it's important to do so. And then if it's ruled out, then, of course, you can go in a different direction. Yes. And, and how do you test that? Is that with the stethoscope? Is it with blood work? Is it something more, I don't want to say invasive, but more pronounced there? So what's truly important and uh, is to really talk to the patient and see what kind of problems they're having, when they're having the problems, and what makes it better. So just for you guys out there, there are different kinds of heart, you know, uh, chest pains, okay? So, or we call it angina. So the, the, there's one out there, you know, there are times when you're at rest and you have really bad chest pain, you have to go into the ER, there's nothing else you can do, so you may be having a heart attack. But there are more, there's something called stable angina, meaning you are stable most of the time, meaning there's a blockage there. With activity, what happens or when the blood supply to the rest of the body is you know, the heart muscle is needed, this blocked artery cannot supply the extra, you know, extra uh, flow, blood flow and oxygen to that part of the heart muscle. And it 
the heart, you know, the nerves of the heart cry out in pain. So that's really angina. So it happens when you're doing things that need extra blood flow. Like you can say you're walking upstairs, any activity. So normally on a regular day, say you're walking and um, you don't have pain, but then, you know, you're a 60 or 70 year old and you, you're a smoker or you have diabetes or high blood pressure. And then you start, you know, you're walking. Normally you can walk two flights of stairs and you say, I feel great. But now you have to stop because you have this pain. Mm -hmm. So that is another presentation. So there are different presentations of pain. I also want to include that shortness of breath can be a sign of chest, uh, you know, blockages. Very, very important. Not only chest pain can do it. Shortness of breath. If you have limitations in activity, even women, women can present as that. So always remember that uh, it, it is a sign sometimes of what we call CAD. That shortness of breath, is it a feeling like I can't take in a whole breath, like that deep breathing? Or is it um, more in a panting method, like you just can't seem to get any kind of breath at so all? Truly, most patients tell me that if they could do, if they can, fly, say, climb a flight of stairs, mm -hmm. They would have to stop because they can't catch their breath at times because they have to rest to take to get back mm, their breath. Okay. That's the feeling that most people feel. Okay, so. all right. And diabetics, watch out there because truly shortness of breath can be a sign of blockage. Okay, so I know you came here to talk about two specific tests. One you said is diagnostic, one is preventative. Which one is the diagnostic? We have the cardiac calcium score testing and then the coronary coronary CT. I would assume it's the score testing, but I'll let you have the floor on that one. Yes, it is the coronary calcium score. Uh, to, be, to be fair, all these tests have been out there for a while, but they've been used more and more recently. And what we've noticed is, you know, we have blockages in the heart that begin early in life, you know, and that's called plaque. Plaque is basically, you know, we have Whenever damage is done to the heart, there is this extra layer of muscle and fat and things like that that really is in the blood vessels of the heart. And if this gets bigger and bigger, it blocks the vessels. If it sloughs off suddenly, which, is, which happens in an acute heart attack, okay? So most times, plaque is stable, and thank God for that, because we'd have way more sudden heart attacks than, you know, just elective procedures. Uh, so as... So what happens is these plaques will heal with calcium in them, or calcium will deposit in them. I shouldn't use the word healing, but it's just a process of, you know, uh, repair and, you know, just the whole atherosclerosis. Okay. Mm -hmm. uh, so what happens is they deposit in the, blood, in the uh, vessels of the heart, the blood vessels, the arteries of the heart. And what we do is we take a CT scan and we clip, you know, a picture of the blood vessels of the heart, and we can actually see how much calcium there is. What the, over the years, they've done studies, and what they've noticed is if you have a calcium score of zero, the chances that you have blockages or atherosclerosis is very low. Okay, your risk is very low. You know, risk of an event is low in five years, like less than 1%. Over time, uh, uh, and if it is, you know, if it's between zero and 100, it means, you know, on a personal basis, I think you have disease. Anything above zero is you have disease. So they tell you, you know, you have to watch out. You have to change your lifestyle. You may want to consider treatment. Anything above 100 
is we definitely suggest treatment and anything around 400 we say you know this is a little much so maybe we really need to look into you more see if you have symptoms and things like that what's so, the end of that range there i mean when oh you say my. 100 now 400 <laughs> we, I have how high does this lot. go i have seen a lot of zeros and i've seen up to 6000 oh okay so we have, okay yes so that's you know the, the highest i've seen is 6000 and we had to look at him and we had a heart, you know, because of his symptoms, we did a, he didn't have symptoms in general, but, you know, we, after talking to him, we noticed that, you know, there was, we needed to do more. So we actually did a, uh, we, he landed up with a heart catheterization and bypass. So I'm not saying that everybody will go that route, but, you know, that we've seen bad disease and, uh, and higher calcium scores are associated sometimes with worse disease. Not in everyone, right? But in when general. You're, when you're taking these pictures, how are you gauging that number? Is it a measurement on the screen or, or how do you measure so, what your number would be? So what it is, is uh, calcium, like the bone, right? Mm -hmm. Calcium is the same. We use the same concept as looking at the bone. So when we see bone-like elements or the calcium in the, in the blood vessels of the heart, we circle them. You know, once we get the images, we circle them and we calculate them and we come up with a score. And we say, you know, your score is 80, your score is 110, and, you know, because of all the speckles in the, you know, in the So blood are you vessels. looking for the number of speckles that you're seeing in, yes. in layman's terms? Yes. Okay, so does it matter the size? Does, that, does calcium, like, grab onto calcium and, and continue to grow? It does. It, it doesn't grab onto calcium, but it, it deposits in the vessels of the heart. Okay. So you see it like that. So more the, so the denser the calcium, the more the calcium, the greater the score. So what do you do with that information? I know you talk to the patient with it, but then where do you go from there? So really, uh, what ha we have certain markers of um, what we, uh, we already have certain markers. Like if you're diabetic, mm -hmm. if you have a history of high blood pressure, if you, have a f if you are of a certain age, you have certain risk factors and you have a your risk of heart disease is like say either 5% or 10% or 15% for 10 years. Okay, we've calculated that and based on that. What this calcium score is, is it makes that, um, makes that percent, you know, more accurate. It gives us a better understanding of your risk. Okay, so let me put it this way. <clears throat> say you have hypertension and you have um, let me put it as you're 60 years old, okay? If you have a calcium score, say your risk of heart disease, just based on all the numbers we put in, is about 7% uh, or 8% a year uh, for every 10 years, not a year. It's a 10-year thing. But say we do a calcium score on you, and we notice that you're, that you're uh, you know, you have zero calcium. I can tell you, you know, your risk will probably be slightly less than 7%. But if I see a lot of calcium in there, I'll say your risk is probably going to be 10% instead of 8%. And I know these percentages are small, but they tell you what you need to do with these numbers. If I see calcium in patients, I say you are being affected. You know, your body is being affected. It is trying to form these plaques of cholesterol, and I put patients on uh, cholesterol medications. So I want to tell people, you know, uh, people think about cholesterol medication as something that, you know, you, I have a lot of patients of mine who come in and say, you know, I don't really want to be on cholesterol medications. I will try a diet and exercise. And I want to take this opportunity to try and tell people, uh, you know, we all come with certain gifts our parents have given us, you know. Uh, 
So some of us have genetic backgrounds, you know, where the cholesterol's high. We can do the best things we do, like, you know, we can eat the most appropriate, you know, diets, exercise, but our genetics are our genetics. Sometimes we can't change those. But what we can change is our cholesterol numbers. And I'll tell you that the statin, I know some people talk about muscle aches and things like that, but statins have saved lives. So that's something, that's, that's, a, that's, I recommend those in patients, you know, who really need it. So genetics, do they play a role in cholesterol or is it so our behavior that's causing that cholesterol it's a com- buildup? It's a combination of both. Okay. I would always say that because, uh, you know, especially, you know, and what's very important about the calcium score is there is this category. Some people have very high cholesterols. You can treat them with cholesterol medication, mm-hmm. right? We know that. That's not a no-brainer. Some people have no cholesterol. You don't need to treat them most times. But there's, most of us come in this middle category where we have, you know, cholesterol, but it's not high enough to be treated or not low enough not to be treated. You do a calcium score. If your calcium score is not that high, then you say, you know what, maybe we can wait. Just do diet and exercise. But if your calcium score is 400, then you're like, you know, you don't want to wait. Yeah. Go ahead and go on your statin. So, again, we're talking about the diagnostic side of this with the cardiac calcium score testing. Do you, do, the, yeah, yes. do, do, you do this test again before you get into preventative or is this just one test it's done and then you move forward with this journey yes so what i do is normally for patients who have risk factors Mm -hmm. uh and i think that their risk is uh you know anywhere between five you know uh which is significant with moderate risk Mm -hmm. i Mm -hmm. do the test and then we decide whether to you know whether someone needs uh cholesterol medication or not okay so you don't have to redo that test we could could. redo them but they you need to redo them in like five years or Mm, more okay if you want just to see what the benefits are not a couple weeks down the road (laughs) okay so then let's go to the coronary ct testing Mm -hmm. and talk about why you use this so coronary ct testing so before i start butler has various modalities of testing for the chest pain or heart uh, or shortness of breath if someone has a block you know, we want to rule it out. And we have different testing. Over the years, we've had stress tests, which are very good. We still have, you know, stress tests. But uh, we have now uh, the CTA, which we do in short term. It's called a coronary uh, angiography, but it's done with CT. So one, one way of doing ruling out blockages is the stress test. The other, when other thing we do is heart catheterizations, right? Because, you know, if you're very concerned, we do a heart catheterization. If our stress test is abnormal, we do a heart catheterization. CTAs is seeing the blood vessels of the heart like the uh, heart, you know, heart catheterization does, uh, but it's non-invasive. We, we do it in the CT setting. So we put dye into the body and we look at the blood vessels. We slow the heart down to give us better pictures and we do it. And we can look at the blood vessels, we can look at the calcium, and that helps us tell you whether there's a blockage. Yeah, and then again, what do you do after that? So if you can tell you have a blockage, do you then go into decisions that are more pronounced? Do you go into surgery? You know, what do you go into stints? What, what do you do when so, there is a blockage? So uh, we also have something called as the CTFFR. Okay. Uh, so what happens is, so say I someone doesn't have, if someone's coronary arteries are clean, you know, when I mean clean, like there's no blockages, mm-hmm. I say, fine, go ahead, you're clear. Where you're not concerned. Yes. <laughs> As a I'm doctor. Yeah, yes. right. <laughs> then, then, so, but if anybody's blood vessels have or arteries have blockages in them, anywhere 50, 60, 70%, 
we say, hmm, is this really causing blood flow limitation or no? In, you know, to the muscle of the heart. It's hard for us to tell. Is it causing your symptoms? So there's a new um, AI procedure that we have used. You know, AI is coming into everything in our lives mm-hmm. right now. They have studied multiple, multiple CTs and CATs and correlated with them. So they have this, uh, you know, algorithm. So we apply it and we can tell you whether this blockage that you have is causing you your limitation in blood flow or no. So we send it to the company. It's called HeartFlow. And they will give us a result and we'll tell you, uh, you know, this is, it is significant. Uh, Let's go ahead and get a catheterization to make sure it's there, look at it, and fix it if we need it. I know you're not here to talk about the AI, but I am curious about this. So whatever you could share, is, it would be interesting. Is the AI on this end at the hospital, or is the AI once you send it off to it's this particular sent, company? Yes. yes, when we send it to okay, the particular so, company. Okay, so, okay. I'll have to talk to that company. That's just inter- <laughs> interesting yes, in how they do what they do. Yes. Yeah, with that data and AI coming into play with what yes. you do. You've seen that more and more even with heart health. Yes. Haven't you? Yes. What's anything on the horizon? You, you, there's got to be something that you think, oh, this is fun because I mean, it's it's your world. It is my world. And I can tell you they're looking into things like, you know, you have plaque, you have plaque, you know, you have mm-hmm. a plaque. They want to know the characteristics of the plaque. They want to see, you know, how it's in, what, what kind of plaque it is and whether it's high risk plaque or low risk plaque and different things. So they are looking into it a lot. That's fascinating. That's yeah. fa- okay, let's get back to what we do here at the Butler Health System. But uh, so we have these two different tests, uh, coronary CT, then you're talking about the CTA FFR. That's what yes. it's called. Okay, so we'll just let you <laughs> guide us in whatever it is that we need. So anything else that we need to understand about the, the CTA, uh, that particular test? Just about, so the main important thing is it's, uh, so CTAs are done mostly in patients with symptoms, you know, like uh, chest pain, shortness of breath, the one, the range of symptoms that I told We'd you. We'd be coming to you with a concern already. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. yes. And it's stable disease. So any of you who have ongoing chest pain need to go into the ER, right? This is stable disease. This is like, hmm, it's going on and, you know, it stopped and, you know, I'm fine. Otherwise, I have time to go see my doctor. If you don't have time to go see your doctor, you go into the ER. I always tell people Absolutely. that. We don't yes. want to mix you know, stable disease with unstable disease. Well, I think that's where it gets a little fuzzy for a lot of us. I can't speak for everyone, but what you're describing sounds like me where I would say, okay, I may have a little bit of discomfort. I don't want to say I ignore it, but yet I don't go see the doctor for a couple of days. Mm -hmm. And then I think, okay, well, it's just an upset stomach. Okay. Then maybe, you know, so I just keep excusing away the pain. When does it become to the point where I need to call the doctor because maybe the antacids that I'm taking are just not working? When do I wake up and realize I need to call? You just said it. Okay. You know, when you're doing things and they're not working, you want to check. If you have risk factors and you have a suspicion, then you need to check. How dangerous can that be? Because if I keep ignoring the signs, with my air quotes, of course, if I'm ignoring the signs, how quickly can that turn into an emergency situation? It, could, uh, it has, uh, you know, some people do okay, but then there are people who really get into trouble. Okay. We've had people come in because they've arrested. You know, some people have lost a significant portion of their heart muscle because they waited too long. So, you know, it's really hard to, I don't want to, uh, to, uh, you know, make people anxious about chest right, pain. Right, right, right. But I also want to give them enough information that you you know. Somewhat, most times people know when to come in. They know that this is it. You know, they need to come in. It just in. isn't right. Yeah, it isn't yeah. right. You're right. But I, I think there's a lot of people who, you know, hear my story and say, yeah, that's me too. Where we just ignore it because we don't 
think that anything's wrong. We don't yes. want to believe that something may be wrong. You're right. And then we ignore it. So, yeah, pay attention to your health and pay attention to the aches yeah, and pains. I always tell people, listen to your body. It's time to tell you something. Yeah, absolutely. So so what are the options when you go down this path with heart health? And, and I know we only have about five minutes left with you, but um, do people automatically think that they're going to go into surgery or get a stint? Or what are your, what are your options? So really, first, you know, for stable disease, like I said, if you're having your symptoms for some time, Go see your either primary care or your, you know, and cardiologist or cardiologist. Either way it is, most times people see their primary cares because that's who they have contact with a lot. And, you know, they will evaluate you or we will evaluate it. It doesn't matter. Then we will decide what the best route is. People do nothing. People do stress tests. People do CTAs. There's something called a stress echoes where you get the pumping function of the heart. You know, there's just plain echocardiograms where we can see what the muscle looks like, what the valves look like. And from there, we dis- we do the test. If it's normal, we say, okay, fine, I'm not too concerned. Then we do, we, we let you go. If we are still concerned, then we go to the heart catheterization, if the test is abnormal or not. And then there are three, I always tell people there are three routes from there, four routes. Nothing's wrong. Two is you can, we can treat you with medicine. Some people, not everybody, The next one is you may have just one blockage or two blockages and we can do a stent. And the last one is you have blockages that are quite bad and you would benefit from surgery. So those is, that's where people, uh, what we do. We have great surgeons in Butler. We have great interventionists at Butler. And you know, we've, we do a really good job with, uh, you know, all sorts of surgeries and- You got a huge team. Yeah, we do. I mean, 15 cardiologists. And three CV surgeons, electrophysiologists, you get three on board there. Yes. So, I mean, it's not just a doctor or two. Yeah, you have a we huge have team. a great team and, we, you know, efficient team. So, great, you know, great place to be. Yeah. And, of course, we keep talking more and more as we go along in the years, talking to Butler Health System on all the different offerings that are here with Butler. So, you don't have to travel, in a sense, out of town. But if you are in Indiana, there's an office there or Elwood City, Seneca, what you're down in Seven Fields, up in Slippery Rock. So you got all that covered. I just ran through Clarion the other day. So I, I saw the hospital. I had to go through Clarion the other day. So of course, there's an office there, Crossroads Campus for us right here in the Butler area. And if we're looking for any kind of uh, appointment or questions, do we call the 866 number in front of me? Yes, that's, that's the best. The best okay, so 866. 866- 620-6761. So if you have a question, if you want to try to get an appointment, uh, 866-620-6761. So plenty of different options in the way of offices or if mom or dad live out of town or, you know, if, if mom and dad live here and you're uh, the son and daughter and you're out of town listening, you always have the op- options there as well. So, you know what, Dr. Pinto, I appreciate you being in here to talk about these two particular tests preventative, diagnostic, heart health, especially for women, since we are talking specifically for women today. Any final thoughts you want to share with us as women um, just trying to take care of ourselves? Yeah, I always say think about yourself. I know you think about your kids and your husbands and your mothers and your fathers. I see a lot of women around me, you know, but think about yourself in this busy life. It's important that you stay healthy so that they stay healthy. Thank you so much. I appreciate you coming in. Okay. And folks, thank you very much for joining us for this segment of Let's Talk. Now, if you would like to listen to this again, if you joined us just a little bit late, what you can do is go to our website at WISR680.com and you're going to pick programs, drop that down to Let's Talk, and you can listen to our conversation with Dr. Pinto right there. I'm Tracy Morgan with Let's Talk.